Hi there. Welcome to Lake Ridge Community Church Podcast. Uh, this is a place where we get to share uh, some of our messages from Sunday mornings. Uh, we're glad that you're here to listen, but we'd also love to have you in person. So if you'd like to pop in some Sunday, we meet at 1030 at Our Lady of Wisdom School here in Chestermere. And uh, you can obviously check us out as well at uh, www.lakeridgecommunity.com. Thanks for listening. Good morning. There we go. There we go. Hey, does anybody else feel like there's kind of this awkward, weird thing happening in the room today? Nobody? Nobody? Everybody's fine? Hey, it's just me. It might just be me. It, it does feel a little bit awkward to be up here this morning, and so I just want to name that for me, that there is, there is a bit of a sense after uh, um, announcing and sending out the letter of uh, announcing my resignation uh, from Lake Ridge. That it's just a weird Sunday for me, and I'm feeling in particular a little bit vulnerable this morning. Um, And I I promise you at the end I'm going to share a little bit more uh, about that. But but maybe for the next little while, can we just really just talk about Jesus? And talk about a story uh, of Jesus and kind of how he interacted with people. And then we'll do that other stuff at the end. Would that that be okay? All right, let me pray, uh, and then we'll, we'll get going. God, I pray, would you, would you be present here in this place? Would you give us a sense that you are a God who comes near to us when we are feeling vulnerable? Maybe when we're feeling anxious or, or maybe sad or whatever it is that we came into the, the room with today. That you are a God who, who wants deeply to be present with us in this place. Be with, uh, be with me this morning as I share some of your words and some of your story, and in particular as we talk about the beauty of your son and demonstrating for us what it means to be a son. Be with me. Be with us. Amen. So we have uh, started a sermon series called, called Little Boat, Big Sea at Lake Ridge, and, and we've, we're, we're essentially trying to take and unpack some stories that took place around the Sea of Galilee. You know, Jesus, he, he spent a, a good portion of his time uh, in a lake community and, and around the shores of a lake, kind of similar like we do. And, and, and there are some significant stories that take place there that help us to see really the, really the essence and the character of Jesus as he interacts with people. And, 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 and so, so it's not so much just always about what Jesus says when he interacts with people, but actually how he interacts with people. I, I want you to think a little bit about that today. What does it look like for us to not just grasp onto the, the things that Jesus taught or the things that Jesus said, but, but what was the posture of Jesus as he made his way around those shores of the Sea of Galilee as he interacted with people? And he, and he did some like, some really cool stuff. And he also sat with people and, and, and listened to their stories and was present with them in those stories. And so, so I just want you to, to think a little bit about, well, what does that look like? 
And the story that we're going to talk about in a second kind of comes on the tail of a couple of other stories. And it's, I think that it's important for us to just, just grasp a little bit of what was going on inside of the mind and the heart of, of Jesus when this story takes place. And also the story that we're going to talk about next week as well. I'm going to be sharing a little bit next week as well on, on, on a different part of the same chapter. But what had happened at the beginning of Matthew 14 was actually pretty, pretty challenging. It was a pretty difficult thing. And, 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 and it had put Jesus in a, in a very difficult state of mind. And, and what it was was that Jesus had just discovered that, that his cousin, John the Baptist, ha- had been killed. And so if you imagine Jesus hears this, this heartbreaking news, it seemed like a senseless death, to be honest with you, as well. And, and, and the text actually says in, in, in Matthew 14 that, that Jesus had to withdraw to a solitary place, that he got in a boat and, and he pushed himself out and he, and he went to, to be alone. And, and it's, it's, it's important, I think, that we hear that because what we, what we get to see is not just the, what we're about to talk about is the miraculous things that Jesus was capable of doing, but that we're actually talking about Jesus the man as well who, who experienced all the human things that we do as well, like, like heartbreak, like, like the injustice of this thing that had happened. And all of those things were taking place in Jesus' Jesus's mind and in his heart. And he, and, he, and he continues to kind of come back, and each time he comes back from his solitary place, somebody needs something else from him. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about what that, what that looks like. For now, I want you to keep in mind that, that this was the Jesus who, who, who continually was having the needs of people presented to him. And of course it was hard, his heart to meet those needs, but he also was challenged experience all of the other things that were going on in his in his own mind and his own heart as well so so it's kind of a an interesting interesting thing so matthew uh we we see him kind of struggling through this all right so i'm gonna i'm gonna point out some things we're gonna just kind of go through the story and i'm gonna point out some things as we go through the story that describe not only the 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 mystery and the power of jesus but that also point out some of the some of the human emotions that he experienced, some of the some of the sadness, some of the grief, even some of the human fatigue that was present in his story. Um, this this past week, we we released on the podcast uh, on Unpacked uh, a conversation with a funeral director, and we talked a lot about about grief in that in that podcast. It was, it was actually a really fun one, and 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 this guy he joined us. And, and he, he shared some, some really profound things. But one of the things that he said was, and I, I just loved it, he, he said how important it was for us to learn how to sit in the discomfort of grief, our own and others. And in his words, he said this, that's where the magic happens. That's where everything meaningful that's where everything meaningful happens. And so you, so you see, when we see Jesus withdraw for a time, it was to connect with the meaningful. It was to connect with his father and have this interaction of give and take, of grief and joy and all of the things in between. Right? And grief, 
Grief is more than just the loss of a person. Grief is, grief is really far more than just the loss uh, of a person. Right? Grief can be connected to an idea or an ideology. Grief can be connected to a job or a friendship. Right? And, and I think that your list of things that you grieve could go on and on and on and on. That's why you pause for a second. Just think about that. What do those things look like? Have you, have you considered even what you're grieving these days in your life? Have you considered how you personally walk through the process of grieving those things that maybe just came upon God in your life? I know I've been doing that. I've been doing that actually for several months. It's not really fun all the time. But there is a sense of God's presence and, and God's spirit that does something really significant in us when we're able to look at those things. Okay? All right, so let's look at the story out of Matthew 14. And Jesus sends his disciples off uh, out in the boat. He dismisses, and he, he sends them off, and, and it says the text says that he, he dismisses the crowd on his own, and he goes up into the hills to pray. One of the things I want to point out is that, that for Jesus, oftentimes, he, he went away to solitary places, but, but he very seldom had the same places. Now, now for him, there, there was, Jesus went to the wilderness to pray. Jesus went up into the hills to pray. He went out in a boat to pray. He, he went a lot of different places in order to experience this meaningful connection with his father. So I just want you to just pause for a second. Think about that for you. Like, like, where do you go? What do you need to step away from the realities or the busyness or the grief or whatever it is to, to, to kind of unpack the meaningful that's going on in your story? So just, just think about that. What, where is it that you go? And Jesus, he went, to, he went to a lot of places. And he dismisses these people. As we walk through the story today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point out some things, and I want you to consider for yourself, like, like, what are the implications in your own life? What are the implications in your own life if you believe that this story really happened? So I, I want you to think about that. What are the implications in your life if you believe that this story, that, that actually Jesus and Peter walked on water. What are the implications to that in your story? And I, I want to be very clear. I believe this really happened. I don't think this is a, a fable or some story that's meant for us to just like, you know, a metaphor for us to think about. I believe deep, deep in my heart and my soul that this story there are implications to believing that we have a God that is big enough to walk on water and to do the miraculous, you know, these, this wild thing kind of that, that takes place. So I want you to, to really think about that. The story or the account that Matthew gives us is to challenge us to think about all of those implications. What does it mean to have a God who is both emotionally connected to the people that are around him So that he feels the loss of his cousin, all of those things, and, and feels the hunger of the people, and then also can walk on water, which is admittedly a pretty cool trick. 
right? That's it's impressive. That's a, that's an impressive story. Okay. And and there's even actually more to this story for those people who were there experiencing it. For the Jewish people, there were the other. There was a context for God being powerful enough to control the water. Right. We go back to to the story of the of the great Exodus where God frees frees the, the, the Hebrew people from slavery, from Egypt. There's the parting of the Red Sea. The power of God. Strong enough to part the waters so that his people could be set free. There's other contexts, right? It's like Joshua 3, where, where literally the Jordan River is ceased from flowing so that God's people can make their way across and into the promised land. There was context for, for what was taking place. Now, this was a bit of a, a different kind of a experience, and it was a bit of a different experience because in those stories, there was a sense that God was present doing the miraculous. In this story, God was physically present, walking out on the water to these disciples in, in, in this story and in this experience. Right? And so Jesus asks the disciples to get in the boat and to go off on their own. And he does that so that he can dismiss the crowds. And I wonder if you, if you put yourself in those shoes, like, like if you were one of those disciples, what would that feel like? To, to have Jesus say, yeah, go off on your own. I'm going to go do what is important right now for me to do, and I would like you to, to go. And they obeyed him. And I actually think that might have been a bit of a trick, you know, because in a lot of ways, the disciples, they were Jesus's, you know, a bit of his bodyguards, you know, a little bit. They, they, they were the buffer that was there to kind of keep, keep from too many people touching Jesus's cloak, you know, when he's walking around. Right? And, and so I think that it might have been really challenging for them to obey him and to get into the boat and, and to make their way out. Then we see a little bit later in this story, in, in verse 24, we see Jesus, it's, it's, the text says this, it says, the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by waves because the wind was against it. Because the wind was against it. And then just before dawn, Jesus went walking out to them. It's kind of a, a funny thing. I think we often miss this, but but I think what we miss is that the wind was against the boat earlier in the evening. And, and yet, Jesus didn't go out to them right away. There's a little time gap that takes place there. That actually these disciples were out in the boat for a little while while the wind crashed against the side of the boat. And, and, and I, I think there's an important thing for us to pay attention to here, and that is that in the text, what is interesting in the text is that the, the disciples were experienced fishermen. They, they had been in boats before. And actually it doesn't say that the disciples were overly worked up by the storm that was brewing. What it does say in verse 26, which I think is really, really interesting, and, and this is what actually freaked out the disciples in this particular story, was that when the disciples, in verse 26, it says, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. 
It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. See, what's interesting, right, is that, that actually it, it was in seeing Jesus out on the water that scared the out of them. Right? That's what really scared them. It wasn't the storm that scared them. They were comfortable in a boat in a storm. But, oh, man, seeing Jesus, seeing the incomprehensible, mysterious power of God walking out to them on, on the lake, now that, that was some scary stuff. That's what freaked these guys out. It was hard for them to compare to that. And I go straight up, straight up, following Jesus, as a follower of Jesus, there are going to be times in our life and our story when we see the power of God working out in front of us and actually probably the correct response is to flee. It's okay. It's absolutely okay. Okay? A story. Several years ago, and sometimes uh, part, of, part of my job is that I, I sometimes am present when people pass into the next life. And, um, sorry, it's a bit of COVID still. <coughs> um, I, I've, I've recovered from COVID, by the way. I'm doing okay. We were in the, um, we were in the hospital, and, and this particular person uh, was passing on. And uh, there is um, an incredible thing that takes place when you have the privilege to be present with somebody who's passing in front of you. And I, do, I, don't, I don't actually know how else to describe it other than to say it can be an overwhelming experience. And I don't usually describe things like this, so I'm going to you know, step out on a limb here. But a, a part of my job as a pastor is to sit back and, and to just wait and to, and to be present with people sometimes as they're grieving. And um, this particular night, I was there, it was particularly difficult. It was a younger person that passed away. And uh, a child was there, and his wife. And I was just standing back, and I felt like it was time for me to pray. So I closed my eyes so that I could ask for God to, to be present and as I was praying, God, whatever is needed in this room, might you send your spirit to, to do the comforting that is required. And while I had my eyes closed, I felt like a nurse had walked into the room and passed by me to check on, on me. And um, it was quite normal. Until I opened my eyes and realized that no nurse had entered the room, that no one had passed by me. And it, it, and it was this moment where a, a, a good friend of mine was beside me, and I, I was able to just glance over him and say, did you, did you feel something? And he said, like somebody just walked in the room. 
there was this strange sense of like peace that I didn't have to be like the guy in the room. And there was also a real sense of kind of fear of something so powerful and so mysterious had just entered the room and was about to start to steal. And it wasn't but a few minutes before the priest would have passed away to be God's substitute, to be with them. There should be a sense at moments to, of terror. Uh, there should be moments as we do this life with Jesus where we interact with him and we experience the both power of God, then also it, it might provoke just a little bit of our smallness. And maybe that's okay. Maybe that's really exactly how it's supposed to be. And I think that's a little bit of what took place in this story, the incomprehensible power of God of about to kind of take place. And so early at dawn, Jesus begins to make his way out onto the water. And I suspect that there was a sway. I, I, I don't know exactly what, what it looked like, but I would suspect, and we're going to talk about this, I think Jesus had a sense of humor. And I'm pretty sure he was like, these guys, I think this is cool. Okay, and so... And, 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 uh, and, and so he makes his way kind of out onto the water, and they are terrified. Straight up following Jesus is going to be a bit on the terrifying side at times, right? And, and it's in this moment of, of being terrified, it's in this moment of fear, that actually Jesus responds. And he, he responds a lot quicker than this sermon is going to. Okay? He, he responds actually really, really quickly. And, and actually the text says he responded and said, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. What is so fascinating to me is that every time we see the power of God show up or interact with mankind, with humans, is that often we hear, do not be afraid. For I am with you, it is I. We see it when the angel comes to, to introduce uh, the life of Jesus to the different individuals, we see it in several places. Do not be afraid. Take courage. It is I. So the first thing I really want to remind you of today is I want you to remind you that first and foremost, we, you, are held in the loving hands of God. These hands of God are all-powerful. Now, I think that there is, I think there is a, there is a knowing in principle. I think maybe when you hear that, you go, of course, yeah, of course. Like, I, I, deep down, in principle, I know that God has, has got me. But I think that sometimes when, when the water starts to crash up against us, we, then all of a sudden, you know, that deep knowing, it kind of makes its way up to logic, and we actually forget that we have a God who's very much in control. So I want to remind you that, that, that these foundational things that we believe to be true about God's presence in our life and our story, we need to remind ourselves of those when, when the logic starts to take over. And I'm not saying logic is bad, but I am saying that there are moments when we forget. We can say we have a deep knowing, and we do. 
that we can forgive. We are still actually human. We're humans. Right? In this story, I hope that you see that, that even though he does an impractical thing by walking on water, that we have a very practical God. A very, very practical God who's quite interested in walking with us in faith. Right? Jesus doesn't just walk out on water to pull, show these guys a cool party trick. He walks out on water because he wants to be with them in the boat. He walks out on the water because he wants to be with them in the boat. That's, that's the hardest job. To be present with them in the boat. A few weeks ago, uh, Preston pointed out that, that the disciples and, and that we were meant to learn that, that, that we are in the hands of an abundant God. I, I so agree. I thought it was a great message. I was privileged to be in the room that day. To be reminded that we have an abundant God. That when we can see that we have an abundant God like this, when we can know that deep down, then, then we have the capacity to dream. We have the capacity to discern things. We have the capacity to know what to put our hand to and what not to put our hand to. We even have the capacity to know when and what it is that we need to set down and when. See, these loving hands of God, they have the, they have the power to both like propel us forward into new and kind of like uncertain territory as much as they have the power to kind of collect us when we, when we fail or when we fall. That's the, that's the diversity of the, of the hands of God. Right, so, so when we step back into this story a little bit, and that's what we're going to talk about now, is like when we step back into this story, that's exactly what we see play out. That's exactly what we see. Like, it, it's either in a moment of bold faith or, or, or sheer bravery or, or just like a desire for a new adventure that Peter goes, Master, if it's really you, then call me out onto the water. Call me out onto the water. Like, like, like we, we really don't know what motivated Peter like in this moment. Just think about that. We don't know what motivated Peter in this moment. What motivates you to call out and to ask these kinds of questions of God? I think it's important for us to think about, well, what are the things that motivate you? Like, was, 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 was Peter just trying to test the, the trustworthiness of God? Was it, was it Peter's desire to try the, the seemingly impossible out? Try it on for size? Like, like, we, we'll never really know what provoked him to say, if it's really you, Master, then just call me out. Did you hear that? Call me out. This Peter guy, like this Peter guy who gets called the rock, who also denies even knowing Jesus, who really is quite a mess, actually, in a lot of ways. Peter does it wrong, like a lot, a lot. His list of things he did wrong, just as long as the list of things he did right. 
about that for a second. That's the guy. That's the guy that gets to walk on water. I don't know, just read this with me. Ponder that for a second. That's the guy who gets to step out of the boat. The, the Peter who was, who, who was impulsive. The Peter who questioned all things. The Peter, Peter who wasn't, wasn't strong enough to stand up for his friend. Never mind for, who, for the person he believed was the son of God. Even this story in Jesus' life and Peter's life was not enough for him to stand behind Jesus when his time came. It's human nature, right? This, this is who, who we kind of can be at times. What we do know is this. When Peter cried out and asked Jesus to call him out on the water, he was afraid. He was in a state of fear when he did that. Because it says that we're terrified. It's a ghost. Who is it? Well, Peter's like, well, let's just try it out. If it's a ghost, like, go this way. Right? Like, think about what's taking place here. Peter was afraid. If you are waiting, if I am waiting for a time where fear and anxiety doesn't exist to ask God to call me out, it is not coming. It's not coming. God calls us out in our states of fear. He calls us out of our states of anxiety. These are the places where God calls us mostly. So the next time you feel fear, anxiety, all these different things, kind of go, what does the future look like? Maybe a little vulnerable. I'm feeling like that this morning. This might be a great time to call out and ask God to call you out into something. It might be the moment where he wants you to walk onto water, where he wants to show you something new and beautiful and terrifying. A fearless environment so that you can ask God to teach you to sing is not coming. It's not coming. So what does it look like for us to entrust ourselves and our lives to Jesus with confidence in him? And how do we do that? What does that look like? Right? Peter gets invited out of the boat and out into unknown territory. I don't know where God will, will propel this little boat. I, I, I don't know where it is. But I know that he intends to be in the boat with me. And when he isn't, he intends to call you out of that boat because it no longer works. And it's time to learn something new. And I trust and I believe that you will be brave when that time comes. Think about that. How is God inviting you to step up? We are permitted, as Peter was, to ask God to call us out. We are permitted to ask him to invite us into what new thing we need to learn and know. You have permission to do that. And this is one of those stories where this is just that. 
Now Peter gets out of the boat. And even in this moment of bravery, bravery, things still get a little dicey. Stepping out of the boat didn't guarantee his safety. It didn't. It, it didn't guarantee his safety. And so I imagine that as the waves began to splash a little bit against his face, maybe a little bit in his face, right? We were making the movie, right? The sand would be blowing in his hair. Beautiful curls. Flying out behind him, right? Like, like, but, but, but there was this moment of concern. There was a moment where, where, where he becomes human. Where the storm does get his attention. Where the waves do get his intention, get his attention. Right? He, just like we, are prone to distraction. We get distracted. And his fury comes. And what is incredible about this is that we, in the midst of this second set of storms, see what I believe is Peter's greatest moment. See, I think it was cool that he got out of the boat. I think that's cool. But his real moment of truth real moment it wasn't when he stepped out of the boat his real moment of truth came when he really felt personal fear when he really felt that he had become distracted when he really failed in his story now there's some people some people who actually say like yeah he failed here that actually teach that this was the failure in his story. And honestly, I just don't see it. What I see is that in this moment of truth, Peter was out there walking on water, and if he failed in that moment, it was only that he failed in being human. That he failed in being human. See, I see that in this, his greatest moment, I see this was his greatest moment, that when he began to sink, he cried out to the abundant God, Master, save me. He knew who to call. And he didn't hesitate to do it. And, and what I love about this story is that the text says, without hesitation, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Without hesitation, that same hand reached out and caught him. Friends, we have a God with these hands that both propel us forward, that will propel you forward as individuals and also as a church. And they will also protect you without hesitation when you find yourself in danger. I'm sure Jesus says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? He says that. Then he doesn't say that. He says, once he pulls him up, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And we would hear that as a bad thing. What I hear that is, is, is that what he was pointing out to Peter was that Peter still had lots to learn. That he had more places to go and things that he needed to experience and practice. That he wasn't there yet. I am not there yet. I, I tried last summer. I think it's a good practice. Like every every summer... Every couple of summers, I do a little try to walk out on the water just to see how my faith is doing. 
just test it out and see, like, how am I doing? The last year, I sucked at it. It was bad, right? Like, I, it just wasn't good at it. Just straight to the bottom, right? It just, and I'm down there drowning, and I was like, wow, it's not working yet. You know, it's a good test, everyone. So I'm just saying, maybe this summer, take a step out of a boat every once in a while, and just, it's a good measure of how your faith is doing. I'm just saying. Just try it. You'll know right away how you're doing. Now, Jesus says, you know, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? But, but later, a couple of chapters later, Jesus also says, even he who has even a little faith, like the size of a mustard seed, could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will be done. So you see, Jesus didn't seem to have a big issue with doing something with a little bit of faith. So let's not see that as a moment of, of failure but rather a moment where, where Peter had some things to work on and figure out how to grow and find himself in, in this moment. But Peter, he got to walk on water. Right? That's more than I've been able to pull off. And uh, so I'm kind of envious of Peter a little bit. And I'll, I'll try again, again this summer. And if it doesn't work, then I'll realize probably got more to, more learning. Never underestimate what God can do with a little bit of faith. It took a little bit of faith to follow Jesus and trust that he would want to start a church in Jesuit. And that's all I had. That's all that group of people had was a little bit of faith. that little bit of faith to do sometimes the miraculous things that God is inspiring us to do. And I believe that's happening this summer. We have a loving God who dreamt you up and dreamt this place up. He called it into being and that's why this little boy, boat has survived and is still here in this place. God ain't going nowhere. Very present. In the boat, out in the water in our community, and there are going to be moments he's going to invite you to go out there. I suspect there are going to be more than you think. Be brave and get out of the boat when you need to. These walls are great for us to feel safe in. But there does come a time when we have to get outside of this room this is not church. The church is out there where God is at work, where Jesus is already walking on water. If we want to be the church going forward, we're going to have to leave this room because it's only the place we gather to worship together, to encourage each other, to prepare ourselves to go out and love our community. All this is, be brave. Be brave and step out. Amen? Let me pray. God, for the gift of your presence in this place today, I thank you. 
God, for even calming my heart and my spirit. I recognize this is miraculous because I am overwhelmed with sadness. And yet you have been present in this space so that we might hear your word. Ask him for good gifts of your presence among us. So God, may you continue to be in this place. May you continue to lead this place. May you continue to call each of us out of the boat so that we can see the miraculous experience of your power and your presence. God, help us never to feel that we are so safe that we can just get around and live that we might be able to lean on you and trust in you. Take us into your presence. May we do that. We do this in your name. Amen. All right. I, uh, I promised that I would share just a little, a little bit. I'm going to do my best. I even made notes because I really would like to do this well. Um. First of all, I really do want to say that I I love you. And this decision has nothing to do with me falling out of love with this place. Nothing at all to do with that. I love what we have created here. When I say we, I love what we have created here in this place. This has been, without a doubt, the hardest, one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make. Without a doubt, it has. But it, but it has been my belief that God inspired this place and, and, and he's been in this place all of this time. That, that's even given me kind of permission to, to even ask God if it was time to step out of the boat in this place. If I didn't believe that, I would stay because I'm extremely controlling. So I would stay. I would stay to just kept try to control everything. And yet, I believe that God is very present in this place, and He is very much in control. I actually have always believed that. And so, as Kristen and I discussed this, it it became clear to us that it was time to trust God in something new for us, and 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 it was time for us to to not feel like we had to carry carry this place. And we're excited to find out what what the next thing is. Our guess is as good as yours probably. But we're trying to trust God in this. And and that's a journey that we have to follow. We have some ideas, but, but nothing is concrete yet. I know some of you have asked me, like, oh, what's, what's next? Is it right? I don't know. I don't know. What I know is this. I'm a future-oriented person, and if I think too much about what is next in our story, I won't be able to be fully present here until I'm done. It could be May 31st. Oh, I really want to be present here to hear you until May 31st. And so I'm going to do everything I can to continue to be as present in this place until my time comes to be done. I want to continue to talk to you about life and Jesus. There are some things I'm going to have to set down and not be... be, be have my hand in here for the next little bit. But
but, but talking about and pointing you towards Jesus and talking about life and all those things, that is not one of them. That's why I became a pastor, and I would love it if you gave me the chance to continue being a pastor in some way and being your pastor. So please, please reach out and, and let's talk about life and Jesus together. And if, if you've never had a chance to do that with me, if you've been too concerned about you know, how intimidating that might be, be brave because I would love that even just the first step of that conversation. I would love to do that. So, so please, uh, please give that some thought. Um, there's, uh, there's no doubt uh, that my leaving uh, will, will bring change for Lakewood. I, I have impressed almost the whole of my existence for the last 12 years on this place. There's no doubt it will be different. And that's okay. That's, that's too surreal. So, so and there's those moments when you're like, oh man, Evan would be rolling over in his grave if he saw we were doing something. That's going to come. Just go, no, actually, Evan would probably be fine. As long as we're still following Jesus, he'd probably be fine. As long as things don't get even south of that. Okay? Um, be brave and follow the leading of God. Step out when it's time for you to step out. We're going to do our best to continue to lead by showing that we step out and trust that God's got something in store for us. And I'll, so I'll continue to lead, I guess, in that way. It's our hope to stay here in the community for as long as we can. I know several of you have asked that question. But, but even more so, it's our hope to do what we believe and what, what we believe God asks us to do as a church. So, so whatever that looks like, we're going to do our best. In the meantime, I'm not dead. Okay, <laughs> like this was at a funeral that took place. You're like, I, I am not dead. I am not gone. Between now and May 31st, let's let's get together. Let's let's talk. Let's have coffee. Let's have other beverages. Let's let's enjoy life together a little bit and talk about important, important things. All right. And if you haven't read my letter and you're just sitting here going, what happened this week exactly? then I would encourage you actually to jump onto our website at, at lakewoodcommunity.com forward slash transitions. Is that right, Tara? There you go. There you go. See, I didn't forget. It's in my notes. Um, and, and we'll just keep loving this city together. I might not be your pastor, but I've, I'm planning to live in this community. I believe that it's my calling to love my community. This hasn't been some fake thing I just did because I was the pastor at Lakewood. I really do believe it's important that we love our community. So I'll see you out there. Okay? you stand and receive the benediction and thank you for listening to me here when my sermon was long and now I've talked more I, I appreciate that so now may the Lord bless you and keep you may the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you may the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace because we have a God who is profoundly interested in giving us peace we seek Amen. Thank you for coming today. Have a good week.